and welcome to Temple Bar Tradfest podcast. I'm Ruth Smith. And I'm Kieran Hanrahan and we're coming to you from the Oliver St. John Gogarty pub here in Temple Bar in Dublin. And we're looking forward to Tradfest 2020 as we're graced by the presence of some very, very fine acts. We are indeed. We're looking forward to bringing you Trad Without Frontiers all around Temple Bar here in Dublin in January. And we're featuring different acts that are going to be playing in Tradfest. And this week, we're very proud to present poet Stephen James Smith. Stephen, thanks a million for joining us. Thanks, Ruth. How are you? Great to have you here. Of course, you're a dub yourself, so you didn't have to come too far. No, I just came from the office, so I did. Yeah, it's handy enough popping down here. A poet with an office. Tell me about that. <laughs> well, I, I volunteer for uh, another festival called First Fortnight, a mental health arts festival. So I've been volunteering for them for about nine years now. And I curate different nights for them, similar to what I'm doing with you guys. And as a result of that, they gave me a hot desk so I can kind of come and go as I please. And I do my admin. I just try to se- segregate the the home life from the work life uh, so yeah it's not really my office but it's, it's an office space that I use but as a creative you know a lot of people think inspiration hits you know as a writer or as a musician but it is so good to turn up and, and have a desk that you sit at I'm sure yeah, you, look, you need to put in the hours. I'm um, self-employed um, four years this January, and uh, there's heavy lifting required. That, I, I, mind you, same time, I quite enjoyed the entrepre- entrepreneurial nature of being a self-employed person. Um, it's it's good crack, and uh, you kind of have to hawk yourself, and then also at the same time be sure not to compromise yourself mm-hmm. um, and you get offered certain things that might be good for you financially but you don't think they're right for you as a human or artistically um, and it's trying to negotiate that which I, I quite enjoy uh, so I do but that's why I align myself with the likes of First Fortnight because they do really important work uh, working with the homeless community all year round and then they have this this festival to reduce the stigma so like this January gone we had 200 plus events in 24 counties uh, which is amazing so it is sorry this is turning into a podcast about them but it's I mean I'm very passionate it's really important Uh, and I guess why I ended up into poetry and and with them as poetry was a a release for me in in terms of my own mental health a cathartic thing Uh, and that's how I linked in with them initially like what they were doing and then I decided to offer my time and uh, so this January I'm curating five events and then I volunteer with others I'm actually writing a libretto uh, believe it or not uh, which is something I never thought I'd do with people in St. Patrick's Psychiatric Hospital I've done six weeks of uh, workshops there and then I'm linking in with an incredible musician Amanda Feary uh, so the INO the Irish National Opera Company are supporting that and that'll be performed uh, in the hospital itself so you never know where you'll end up so obviously we're here in, in Gogarty's now and uh, in, and then after this I'm heading off to do a, a voiceover for, for a new poem we've written for Science Foundation Ireland so my days are quite varied uh, and even who's on the, the sound here Donald I, I've done a number of work with a bit of work with him in the past as well, so and yourself, and yeah, yeah, yeah. When did we meet? We met in a Martello Tower back in 2015. I think that that was yeah, the first time I was right. made aware of your your poetry and your your spoken word. That was with Young Hearts Run Free, um, and uh, which is a beautiful night. Mm. Um, so, and then you kindly asked me with the Evertides to to perform with you in Whelan's and then I've seen you perform on the Abbey yeah. stage and those different things. And funnily enough, you mentioned the Martello Tower. Gogarty had a Martello Tower that he rented out or gave to Joyce and we have several writers all b- behind me here all these writers yeah. loom, dead writers still looming over the, the living writers uh, 
but he yeah he rented that out or gave that to Joyce and uh, they actually had a, a falling out as well and the opening scene of Ulysses is based on the three of them himself Goldie and somebody else living in the Martello Tower so loads of synchronicity going on here I think here. you'd be very interested with our, our um, tr- regular li- yeah Eamon Casey isn't it and Eamon is just a wealth of knowledge he's w- with the Vintners Association but he he just knows so much about uh, Gogarty's life and uh, yeah you'll have to listen sure. back to some of the episodes for more info on that yeah I must do because uh, I actually saw a play uh, in Beauty's Cafe Theatre a few years ago based on the relationship between Gogarty and, and Joyce which was really interesting I mean I'm sure some of it was probably dra- obviously drama but dramatised for effect um, but yeah you never know then again like I'm sure the, 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 the writers that are behind me here probably had differing relationships as, as it goes uh, there's plenty of poets out there I absolutely hate no I'm, I'm only messing up <laughs> you're messing up you're fragile great to get to the truth of it <laughs> I want to pick up on what you've said already. Um, one of the one of the things I'd like to mention is the fact that you do cross over from poetry and spoken word into the world of music so effortlessly. You've teamed up with everyone from Glenn Hansford to uh, name name a couple of the other musicians. I know Claire Sands, who we had on recently. Yeah. Uh, she did a live performance piece with you recently enough. It's a world that you're very very comfortable in. Yeah, I, I enjoy. Uh the the sharing a space with other people and the challenge of the kind of push and pull that comes with it and, and, and allowing them to take you on a slightly different journey and how I might recite a poem that I wasn't expecting uh, to say it in such a fashion and yeah, I do a lot of stuff with folk with trad but then also with hip hop and electronic um, and I, I'm very open like last night I was at a jazz gig so jazz has been a big influence with on me yeah with my mum yeah yeah and she told somebody to, to shut up because they were being a fair play to her you wouldn't mess with her um, but even over your shoulder there you have Patrick Kavanagh and obviously Raglan Road which I'm sure all your listeners are familiar with was a poem but he gave that to Luke Kelly and then uh, it was the, the air the dawning of the day for harp that was the music behind it so there's always this natural synergy between poetry and music and, and recitations and singing and uh, I, you know essentially I'm just a failed musician Ruth you know? <laughs> well uh, you're, you're a fine baron player as well I'm all right at that. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Oh, Thanks very much. Yeah. <laughs> I play with a knife for you now. Like, um, well, I I love the the Baron is really important to me. To be quite honest, with you um, like I enjoy uh, doing my gigs when when it's it's a solo show, but. Um, for me, I don't always want to be the centre of attention and the Baron offers me an opportunity to find a Zen space where you're part of a dynamic exchange but you're not driving it. Uh, so I, I love it. And I, But at the same time, I have been in sessions where a bad Baron player will enter. Not so much of a Zen space. And I kind of cringe. <laughs> like, kind of, oh, you're affecting the club. Like, you're, oh, but, but, you know, you have to learn somewhere as well, don't oh, you? Well, you know? that actually goes for every instrument anyway. It's yeah. just that the Baron is out there. You should be a banjo player sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> or a piano chord. Look, we're chatting and we're talking poets and talking poetry. Will you recite one for us? Um, Yeah, sure, go on, I will. Um, So I'll do... um just a short one it's, it's Lake Isle of Inish Free by Yates and another reason I'm doing that is the venue that we're in is um, the Pepper Canister Church which is also known as St. Stephen's Church so it's my church um, <laughs> uh, but I believe Yates's brother 
was part of the congregation there um, if memory serves me correct I've done a number of gigs there before and I spoke to the to the local historian in the church and he told me that so um, yeah it, so because it is um, I would arise and go now and go to Innisfree and a small cabin built there of clay and wattles made nine bean rows will I have there a hive for the honey bee and live alone in the bee loud glade and I shall have some peace there for peace comes dropping slow Dropping from the veils of the morning to where the cricket sings there, midnight's all a glimmer, and noon a purple glow, and evening full of the linnet's and an evening full of the linnet's wings. <laughs> I will arise and go now, for always night and day. I hear lake water lapping with low sounds by the shore, while I stand on the roadway, or on the pavement's grey. I hear it in the deep heart's core. Bit of a mistake there, but sure, uh, I'm sure Yates will do it again. Or there is a crack in everything. <laughs> oh well. <laughs> I have a question for you. Actually, I, I know you write your own poetry, but is there satisfaction in reciting other people's poetry as you just recited in Free There. Yeah. Um, well, uh, what I find when I listen to a lot of the trad and folk musicians, they it's the history that they discover with the song, and they try and tap into that meaning. Uh, and I guess I'm similar when I when I read other poets. I try and do a little, like go beyond the layers and, and know a bit about them and and try and imbue that into the work. Uh, that poem actually, as it happens, um, links me back to Skibbereen. Um I knew it way before this, but. Um, Part of the joy of what I do is that you, you're travelling quite a bit, uh, and I was down doing a free reading in the local library in Skibbereen, and there was a nurse at the at the reading, and she asked me to go across to the local hospital where there was an elderly gentleman there called Dennis who had Alzheimer's, and he was big into poetry. To my grandparents had Alzheimer's, so I went across afterwards, and she said, "Dennis, this is Stephen, the poet I told you about," and he grabbed my hand and he looked me dead in the eye and recited that poem verbatim. And it was just an incredible meeting. It's like, there you are, in all your glory. Um, so it was amazing that poetry can just be in your core, uh, like song can be. Um, so I'm always reminded of Dennis when I when I recite that poem. But, I, I mean, I, I recite other people's stuff as well. Um, I've mentioned Kavanaugh, we've got Yates, we've got, who else have we got here? We've, we've been over my shoulder, um, Wild and whatnot. And I, I probably know all of their bits of their poems uh, or uh, certainly quotes. I've even got a, um, on my bracelet, uh, I have an Oscar Wilde quote to define as the limit, which I got in LA with Glenn Hansard. There you are, mad little kind of loop in. But yeah, I think it's important um, to know where you come from. Uh, as I mentioned, I like hip hop. Uh, I've quite a broad... Um, taste in music but uh, I, I do like to know where I've come from in the ancient tradition of the oral tradition of poetry um, so I, I, I try and read as much as I can and also not just read but listen um, because as I say it is an oral art form and I'm actually dyslexic so I'm a slow reader and maybe that's why I gravitated towards poetry more than reading novels or why I really love going to the theatre um, is, is to hear the, the, the live literature um, and hopefully that's what the the, the the people that come to the show uh, will will experience and and also the fact that I'm getting to work in the show with with musicians and people that I really like we will do uh, some cross collaborations on, on the night which again will will allow that push and pull uh, or, or that sort of dynamic exchange amongst us all which I'm excited about 
Yeah, we're going to talk about the show just briefly. I just wanted one more mm-hmm. point about yeah. Inish Free there, and you said you recited it. To me, I almost I felt that you were actually singing it. Mm. Yeah, so um, <laughs> I suppose I can recite it straight, as it were, but then my friend Ender Riley, a beautiful musician, fine man, uh, we did an, a traditional album uh, several years ago now where he put music to poetry, and that was one of them, and, 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 and Ender sings it, and I recite it, and it's almost in a call and response um, thing. Some people love it and some people hate it, but that's that's fine. I'd rather that than than a tepid response. Uh, so yeah, I, gu- I guess I half went into the way Enda does it there a bit, you know. And to give well, a bit of context, actually, to to Enda Riley, he was co-writer of the Wild Atlantic Way all yeah, along the Wild Atlantic Scott. Way with Aoife Scott, yeah. a gorgeous songwriter, yeah. and drawn to so many of the themes that you yourself are inspired by. If, dare I say? Um, the sources in nature I know one of the first poems of yours that I heard was The Gardener yeah. and um, just to reference as well your work with First uh, Fortnight first isn't it yeah. um, you seem to do an awful lot of outreach work with uh, kind of humanity at its source you know the the patients at St Pat's um, your work with First Fortnight looking at the the benefits of connection that you can make through words your story about Dennis mm-hmm. um, the patient with Alzheimer's that words and music and that sense of shared humanity within an art form like poetry is such a powerful thing uh, yeah I, I, thanks um, I look it's important and I think it's you'll find uh, a lot of artists will probably say this that we get to meet a rarity and go to a rarity of places so I one day I will be invited into I've worked in the Midlands prison so I've gone in there for several weeks to work with the prisoners in there had a great time the next day I could be an Ars and Uchtaron. And er, both are equally valid. Um, and, um, yeah, people confide in you as well. So it took me quite a while, Ruth, to be honest with you, to wear the title poet. Um, and now I, and I, and as I mentioned um, before we were, we were off air, uh, Dermot Bulger and his poem, Shame, Senna Syndrome, Conduct, because we were listening to... to um, Mrs Mulcahy there and the pipes incredible um, I, I, and I see somebody like Dermot as uh, a true poet and somebody that, that helps to amplify voices and has compassion um, and I think that that's the template for what uh, a poet should be um, like I do gigs and I guess you try and have a laugh and you want to be engage the audience in entertaining and again hopefully people come along they they experience that on the night um but i remember actually you mentioned glenn he once asked me he goes are you a poet or an entertainer and that is uh, a tuning fork for me now um that i and, and for me i want to be a poet first and foremost and if you can be entertaining and you can have other things great um but it's only as i mature a little bit that i'm i'm settling into that role a bit a bit more um and find it's so important to, to go into those spaces and uh, chat to people and you know hopefully hopefully do do uh hopefully give them uh confidence in their own voice um and and to remain sincere to their own artistic expression because uh, sometimes I get people ask me like oh how did you get a gig here or how did you do that I'm like and, and fair so I kind of get that I you know I'm not suggesting I wasn't hungry at one point and, and I still am and I have ambition but like the first and foremost thing is come back to your art and say a sincere thing and then people will connect with that and then the other things will follow I, I hope for you you know
Sorry, I've gone off on one there. <laughs> Not at all. No, that, it's, it's your right. It's your, this is your podcast. This is your interview. Other poets that have inspired you. I see that you, you've you been influenced by Pat Inglesby. Yeah. Am I right? I absolutely am. Yeah, yeah I love him to bits. So actually, I'm wearing his ring. Um, so he gave me this. I went to see him a while ago. And I was like, oh, I love that. And he, and he gave it to me. So I mentioned him in, in uh, probably my best known poem, poem about Dublin. Um, and while I always wear it, well, I take it off at night, I always just make a point of touching it when I mention his name the poem just to center myself because there's a little danger in saying a poem and nearly reciting it like it's a shopping list and that's not what I want to do you, you, so I try and bring myself back into where I was when I wrote the poem um, or even making a mistake as I did there earlier on like you can kind of forgive yourself if, if it means you're you're in it more so than just being detached but yeah Pat is certainly a, a, an influence on me um, Paula Meehan uh, is an incredible poet and somebody I'd hold in the same regard as the likes of Dermot Bulger um, I remember Paula saying something about poetry it's like a homeopathic art just that distillation of thought and influence and history and it just brings it right down to a drop yeah absolutely I've so much to learn from her. Like I'm 37 now, and I realise I'm light years behind the likes of her, uh, which is an exciting thing. Like that's not, you know, I, I I'm enjoying that journey to to understand the wealth and knowledge that, that that Paula has, and she's so cool in in the sense that she shares it, you know, and she's great fun as well, you know, that you can do these academic chats and you listen there, you sit there and go, well, okay, that's I've got a new frame to to engage with my art form because she's shared that with us. But then you just have the the, the last with her as well. <laughs> she's she's really cool. Yeah. You mentioned the poem that you wrote about Dublin and you mentioned Pat in it would you be able to recite that for us now uh, yeah I'll do it's a long yeah. enough one uh, maybe I'll do a bit of it yeah. what you, what you think um, okay um, Dublin you are grey brick upon brick full of tarmac and hipster pricks just face it all other places pale in comparison you are more than some former Saxon garrison Dublin your warmth came too late for John Curry Dublin are you even sorry Dublin you're divided by more than the Liffey. You said yes to equality, it's about bloom and time, yet Dublin, you always proclaimed to cherish all Dublin. Your panties are on Capel Street, compromising any papal feats. Dublin, Jedward, awkward, Dublin. You're more than a settlement on the paddle, but Dublin, what's a crack with codlitz shite? Why don't you just admit it, Dublin? You brought back Sam again. But when did you go from the clash of the ash to exchange and gold for cash, Dublin? Dovlin, Oblina, Balia Hakia, and a hundred and eighty other tongues your citizens are using to name this okay me the fault at all. Dublin where the power is held by too few in the doll. Dublin, when would you revolt again? Nineteen eighty eight wasn't your true millennium despite the fifty peas and milk bottles dubbing your mine. But I'm happy to share you. There's a little bit of it. There's another three minutes to go. I could have let all those images in <laughs> yeah. there. Actually, I must say, fair play to you. We're joined by poet, entertaining poet, <laughs> uh, Stephen James Smith here, who tops a very fine bill, actually, <laughs> at the Pepper Callister Church. It's a very fine bill, as I said, at the Pepper Callister Church during Tradfest. That's Wednesday, the 22nd of January. And you'll be joined by Limoncello and the Silken Sam. That should be a very, very good evening. You're the only poet, let's say, there are songwriters on that bill but you're the only poet on that does that suit you? Um, yeah Is that the way you'd like it? 
it doesn't phase me either way. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I I do gigs with poets and all sorts of different artists. In fact, my most recent gig in Dublin, I had uh, Steve Simpson, an incredible uh, visual artist, join me, and he drew in his iPad, which was projected behind me. So I was completely in the in the shadows, which I was fine with. But it, it just gives the audience a different experience and something to to, to, to focus in on. Um, but in terms of the Silk and Same and Lemoncello, they are just brilliant musicians and sound people um, they're really good fun so like as you mentioned okay poet and entertainer they are incredible musicians but they're born entertainers they all have great stories for the audience uh, and we'll, what we'll do is we'll collaborate together so we have that push and pull uh, and and we also have an arrange of instruments so we'll, we'll have cello guitar bazooki uh, mandolin um, you know uh, maybe the bear on as well yeah <laughs> if you're lucky um, and uh, yeah obviously incredible vocals because all the guys uh, have a very distinct singing style uh, and and way of of, of uh, songwriting. Like so, we'll we'll have traditional music, but we'll have contemporary traditional music also. Uh, so it's it's gonna be a really special night. And I've, I've been lucky to go to a few Temple Bar Trad Festival gigs in the Pepper Cancer Church, and they've always been electric. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did one there myself last year with Martin Harley. Uh, I got to collaborate with him absolutely lovely man so there'll be a, a real intimacy um, I'll do my best to chat to the audience and draw them in so we'll probably have a bit of a set list but there'll be a bit of um, leeway there for us to to have that engagement which I think is important and then that's actually what excites me in a, in a gigging scenario where it's not totally prescribed that you there is that um, yes a leeway for, for the unknown the unexpected uh, that gig is on Wednesday the 22nd of January in as you said the fantastic uh, Pepper Canister Church now you mentioned that you played Tradfest here last year and you've taken some huge leaps since then not least I suppose the publication of your book Fear Not which has sold out its print run I believe and congratulations on that and I remember before it arrived you were kind of nervous that you might be left with some of those boxes maybe at home holding doors open or closed but no such thing it's gone yeah I, I've been very lucky that it's um, that people have engaged with it because it, it's a risk that you take um, funnily enough I just did a 16 date tour of, of the UK and Ireland or maybe it's GB in Ireland anyway we better not go there <laughs> but I uh, I made a little poetry pamphlet of 10 poems and 10 IQ I made 500 of them and actually sold out of them not just on that tour I did a tour with John Cooper Clark the incredible Mancunian poet around Ireland and a few other things and uh, yeah thank- thankfully I mean to be honest with you for your listeners it's great that if they come along to gigs and they pay in um, but if they buy merch uh, this isn't just a calling from me but buying merch from an artist helps them it's uh, I'm self-employed just come up to four years now love what I do um, and want to keep on going but it's not easy uh, now I've chosen this I'm privileged enough to be able to choose this lifestyle so this isn't a, a poor me or a, a trying to make out myself out to be a victim I, I, I really but I, I actually kind of can't imagine myself doing anything else and I couldn't uh, don't want to but if you can buy an artist's vinyl CD share their work online whatever it is those little things make a big big difference so like me selling those books at the most recent tour made sure I could afford to pay for my accommodation made sure that I could afford to feed myself and then the fees for the gig are a little bit of a top up because I heard Peggy Seeger I think she said she would 
sing for free but she's paid for the inconvenience of travel so like my most recent shows i might have only been doing an hour but you could well be traveling for three and a half hours to get there and then three and a half hours back to where you're going that's a full day on top of all the other work that you have to get into there so please get out there and buy people's merchandise and share the work if you're passionate about them and that makes a difference and it gives them the the faith to keep on doing what they're doing you know sorry rant over <laughs> no, no, no i agree with that because emma langford is on a drive like that as well at the moment she reckons that people need to do that because it does keep the art alive yeah they know people need to hear the realities of it you know i literally just paid my tax there uh the other week and uh, it's great that i that i've done that and i can afford it again but like i I actually moved back home to my mother's house uh, a few months back. I'm living in a box room in Tala. That's the reality, okay? I might be there in the Pepper Canister Church. Delighted to do that gig. Delighted for that opportunity. But I've moved back home uh, to try and save a few quid to finally flee the nest once and for all. Um, But I find it quite sad that I've had to go back there. Um, And it's it's you know you maybe you say I've, I've done some nice things you can list out some of the quote-unquote achievements or whatever and it sounds great in a cv in terms of translating that into a livable lifestyle uh and and and, and uh being able to maybe aspire to have a family or things like that uh it's really really tough again not trying to be poor me what it is so uh, if this serves as a, as a wake-up call to people that they're teetering around oh maybe i should go and pay, pay for that gig or or pay for that just do it it makes a difference and it encourages the artist to keep on you know keep on keeping on as well, well i think you have to be congratulated for your honesty about it because it is as stark as that the only i suppose silver lining about you mentioned that you paid your taxes recently <laughs> your occupation was poet yeah yeah and actually funny enough that's on my income tax return <laughs> i took a photo of that and i put it up online because it made me laugh as well um you know i paid feck all because i earned feck all <laughs> but uh no it's 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 i'm kind of proud that i because like it's as well i want to be able to contribute to society you know it's not like i'm don't want to uh, i'm trying to avoid paying tax i'm i'm very proud to contribute and hopefully that will go on in some way to help somebody else and in the past i've i've had i've i was on social welfare for 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 a short, for a short while so i'm very grateful uh, that i had that opportunity not again not that i want to be but I, I was on it and now i can try and give my tuppence worth back into society and and hopefully then i mean what sort of society are we going to be living in if we can't have artists mm. you know and literally i'm sitting in a bar fine bar beautiful decor okay and these artists we have patrick Kavanagh, who was a pauper on leeson street you know uh bernard shaw sure his buff was just actually funny fact about bernard shaw he's one of the few people that have won an oscar and a nobel prize um for pygmalion and my fair lady the other person is the american vice president al gore for the inconvenient truth so there you are so that's bernard <laughs> shaw um yates probably yeah he was doing okay i guess um he got the nobel prize gogarty was well, relatively well off um joyce um yeah sure he set up this first irish cinema didn't he um and that was a way of trying to earn a few quid but he was generally a pauper and by and large um despite the great work he did wild didn't have a good ending let's face it and being over there as well uh, you know everybody will know his songs and go to his plays and uh the rebel rouser that he was but like he had a he had a tough life as well um so 
it, there's a history of us painting these people literally on these very walls um but were we kind enough to them while they were alive um probably not uh, there was talk the other day there of trying to get the body back from uh from zurich of 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 joyce and um i i i would nearly uh, we don't know if that's what he wanted um so there was there was talk of some letter between himself and maybe his daughter or somebody excuse me i'm, I'm kind of going off uh, script a bit now but um there was talk maybe that he might have wanted that but we, we don't know for sure but I, I'd hate to think that we would bring him back from a cyn- for a cynical exercise in terms of just being a tourist thing. And look, tourists are most welcome. And I, I love going around the world and seeing other places. But funny enough, I was listening to a different podcast the other day and a lot of Joyce's work in the first edition of Ulysses and loads of other work is over in Buffalo in America. Because uh, Buffalo, at one point in time, was an incredibly wealthy um, uh, place, and the, the Erie Canal went through it, and the loads of commerce. And now, apparently, it's it's not doing as well as as it maybe it once was. I've never been, so I can't really comment. But I know that there's a huge amount of his artwork there. Why can't we look at getting that over here instead? Because actually, it's in a library, and not enough people are seeing it. As opposed to trying to take someone's body, that doesn't sit well with me, you know. But yeah, we could be kinder to our artists right now. <laughs> it, is, it is a measure of a society how they value the arts because as you said you mentioned tourism it is the one thing that people know you know saints and scholars and yeah. artists um, but how we actually foster the new generation of artists because like you're part of, of a surge of spoken word and, and po- poets as well not just in Dublin Natalia O'Flaherty yeah, um, you've got Emma Kerwin yeah. you know what I mean there, there's there's a real interest in poetry and spoken word and if there isn't the support structures there for it and the encouragement and the funding um, a lot of people may be deterred from a life as a poet as a writer yeah I, and I could list an awful lot more as well so the best thing really is for people to go on to the likes of Poetry Iron website uh, sign up to the newsletters and find out what's going on because there's loads of events I used to run a night actually 10 years ago now of, of music and poetry in the International Bar every Monday there's still something going on there of music and poetry can't remember the name of it now mm-hmm. but get out there scratch beneath the surface and you'll be amazed of the creativity and then also the inclusiveness of the um, make your burden of that community my peers want to meet you uh, they want to encourage you and maybe you'll write your own stuff and, and, and you never know what journey because that's what happened with me Ruth like I didn't sit at home in my bedroom writing a few songs and a few poems ever thinking I'd be doing a gig in the Pepper Cancer Church that wasn't my agenda but thankfully to, to connections and encouragement that's what's happened so get out there yourselves and engage with that and and sorry, and I, I know I've gone down a bit of a, a ranty <laughs> rabbit hole there but like I'm, I'm appreciative to the likes of the Timber Trad Festival because like I've been involved uh, twice I did a thing the other year with Cormac Begley and Lisa O'Neill and Eamon Whaley and a few heads which was beautiful also in the Pepper Cancer Church and I've been to loads of other events and they are to be fair, providing a platform not just to the legends of trad and folk music, but to an emerging generation of artists. And that's really important that you get the mix right and that young artists can learn from older artists. Because I'm really only a nipper, in fairness, as well. Uh, in, in a poetry term, like I might be 37, but like, uh, you know, I, I still have a long way to go. But very appreciative to the, to the, to the trad festival for that. Do you think you might give us one quick poem before you head off into the night? I'll do uh, a really quick one for you. Okay. Okay. Um, It's a a highly inflammatory sectarian poem. 
Are you ready for this? He goes, roses are reddish, violets are bluish. If it wasn't for Jesus, we'd all be Jewish. <laughs> and with that, we cannot wait for the January the 22nd gig with Stephen James Smith in the Pepper Canister. Lemoncello will be joining, as will the Silken Sam. We're certainly looking forward to that. Thanks for taking part in the podcast here in the Oliver St. John Gogarty and for the guided tour around the pub as well, Stephen. <laughs> You're very welcome. <laughs> Stay away from my bear run. <laughs> Thank you so much, Stephen James Smith. Well, that's all we've time for until next Monday and next week's episode of Temple Bar Tradfest podcast from the Oliver St. John Gogarty. Until then, I'm Ruth Smith. And I'm Kieran Hadrahan. Thanks a million now. Slán. Sound, forget you down, feel the air.